hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Bimbies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we watching today? We're talking about Hard Ticket to Hawaii from 1987. What are we drinking, buddy? Today, we're being sponsored by Peace Tree Brewing Company, and we're drinking their Blonde Fatale, Belgian-style Blonde L, 8.5%. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. And I think it works well with the amount of blondes. A lot of blondes. 1987, <laughs> Andy Sedaris, buddy. This Peace Tree visited them in their Des Moines Tap House. They hooked us up. Great visit. Thank you, guys. This fruity, it's, it's a Belgian-style blonde. It's, it's great. It's got to be fruity. It's one of those that you could get in trouble with because it's Eight five, very smooth. They're out of Knoxville, and this beer has a gold medal beer award on it, as it should. This, this is a darn good. It is. It's delicious. Yeah, the can art is pretty nice. Yeah, it's very cool. Maybe. Great visit. My brother lives in the Des Moines area. We were visiting him, and I said, "I got to do a little business." Well, whenever I go somewhere, yeah. I try to see. I let people yeah. know. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to reach out to some breweries. Yeah. Is that cool? So my brother got to see see the work. <laughs> See the work I put in <laughs> getting beer. They're very hospitable, nice. welcoming. Good. Thank you. Yes, this is my pick. In 1987, <laughs> I was 13 years old. Oh yeah, this this movie is ridiculous. It's a Andy long Sider- sigh for Andy <laughs> Sedaris. But I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's a long sigh. But I know you had fun watching oh, yeah. this multiple times. This movie is so aggressively stupid. It's awesome. It's an action movie. It's the 80s. Andy Sedaris was this guy who just wanted to get Playboy Playmates in his movies. And you know what that means? Ample boobage. Oh, yeah. So 13-year-old me saw this, and I hadn't seen it since then. And I went, eh, let's go back. I, we, have, we have to just try things. And I went back and I said, well, this is on Tubi. You know what's hilarious is I found... This is a difficult movie to find. It's on Tubi. That's why I watched it. And there was a cut on YouTube... And it's about seven minutes short. All the boobs are cut out. Which, and I watched it and I just laughed because I, I went, why would anyone watch this? What prude? This is a good movie without the boobs. Because I marked the times. We get boobs a minute and 45 seconds oh, yeah. in. Right first, in. first boobs, boom. Right so yeah, I picked it. I just thought it was fun. Sometimes you just got to watch trash. Yeah. And this know? is this is... I mean, he came from, what was it, sports broadcasting, and then he wanted to make his own movies. And he did say something interesting where he financed all his movies so people couldn't have a say in it. But then you look at these movies, I'm like, oh, yeah, like you can tell, like you did this all yourself. Yes, you, you did it all yourself. And nobody came along and said, none of this makes sense. That's stupid. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Keep the boobs. Or like, maybe you should take just one screenwriting class. Maybe that would help or... How to shoot a movie. Okay, here's my theory on this. He went to three different people and he said, hey, Jason, I want you to write me an action movie. And then he went to somebody else and he said, hey, Chuck, I want you to write write me an action movie. Hey, Michael, I want you to write an action movie. I came back and I said, got an idea. Two hot chicks undercover get caught up in like this diamond heist, this diamond scam. And then uh, the other guy comes back, Chuck, and he says, I got an idea. Two secret agents. They end up getting caught up with this lame Bond villain guy who's a drug dealer. He's a big drug mastermind. And then Jason comes back and he goes, I've got an idea. It's about a a snake that's been infected with toxins from cancer-infested rats. And Andy Sedaris goes, great idea. And then we all meet and he goes, 
Make that one movie. And then he said, plus, I need, since I came from sports broadcasting, throw a little sports broadcasting subplots in there, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is. It's like three different movies just shoved together with very, like, little connecting tissue. And like you said, Jimmy John Jackson. This, Wolf Larson, the actor. What the name. hell is that all about? That nothing makes sense in this movie. And I love, this is one of the things, when we got together, everyone, when we got together to record this, Jason started going about trying to go, hey, I was trying to make sense. I started doing a map and trying to, and I went, oh my God, I knew it. I knew Jason was going to try to apply logic to this. And I kind of loved it because I was going to text you at one point and say, don't apply logic to this movie. It's stupid. It's, this is one of the most like aggressively stampedingly stupid movies. And I, then I went, no, I just like the idea of him going, oh, well, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> This is mean. I know it's mean on my part, but it, that's true. It, it is. Because I was like, I, I don't understand geographically why how they were in Honolulu. They're supposed to be Molokai Cargo. And then they yeah. say stuff. And then you're like, I think their house, although it looks like they have to fly to it or ride a Jeep to it, is actually right behind the cargo place. But that wouldn't make sense. But really, I mean. The, but that doesn't matter. The, the plot is two hot women. They're undercover. One of them's in the witness relocation pro program i don't know how that works but i don't think what they do is say hey jason you're in the witness relocation program we're going to put you undercover with the government agency dea yeah it seems like they don't even say dea they say it one time do they yeah they say and then after i miss that i watched this movie way too many times they say it one time rowdy says at the very beginning he's like i the drug enforcement agency is no place for women and yet he's saying that to a person who's like his own agent and I and honestly, it turns out. Oh, that's and that's when we see her boobs. Yeah, that's when we see her boobs. And so a lot of times, like your the dialogue, the boobs detract from the dialogue. You're not focusing. <laughs> but there's ample boobage. I'm telling you like right now. Regular. This, this movie should just be called gratuitous nudity. Yes. Because even within the world of this movie, at times there's just nudity that you go. Why? That doesn't even make sense in your dumb world, Andy Sedaris. Yeah. But there's just boobs. So tell me, Michael, what's the overall? plot because i have my take on the plot but i think even watching it several times i go i think i've condensed my plot what i think the essence of the plot is we have drugs we have diamonds that are stolen misplaced two beautiful young women working undercover sort of stumble into a diamond thing and that sets off a chain of events with a local bad guy who's also working with <laughs> the drug lord on a boat somewhere <laughs> And then two guys who work for a secret agency, they come to help them. One of them is actually a, a real martial artist. Here's what I, I want to Yeah, let's, here's, let's, let's hear what Because you got. I got to tell let's you, hear, watch this movie several times. I think yours was just as good as anybody else's. So here's what I came out. The Drug Enforcement Agency pretty much runs Hawaii. Everybody is either an undercover agent or agent for them. There is a family <laughs> farm on Molokai that somehow this local drug manufacturer named Seth Romero, he's he's increasing supply. And he's going to be paid by, for some reason, I think Mr. Mr. Chang, Chang is maybe the distributor of the drugs. And so he's going to pay Seth Romero 
in diamonds. Wait, so you just came up with this on your own? Well, because I, the, the movie makes no sense, so there's no way. Oh, you can't live in that world. You you have to make sense. I love. Okay, this that's not, great. All right. Put together, and so he was paying <laughs> Seth Romero. This is how he's going to pay Seth Romero. He's gonna, that the local drug producer. He's going to fly diamonds over them rather than just walk down the street and hand him a bill of money in a very convoluted way. And somehow those he diamonds would... show up just when the other DEA agents oh, are man. on a. They're undercover for some reason because I think they know Seth Romero is a drug producer and they know Mr. Chang is a drug distributor. And somehow they're just at the same place dropping off honeymooners in their undercover job and the diamonds land right in front of them. And so they get one pack of the diamonds and then everybody's after them to get the diamonds. What I... Okay, but uh, but then, then there's somehow there's I, I love that it made you so uncomfortable <laughs> that this movie is galactically stupid that you went. I have to make some sense. I of did this. because I'm like I don't understand what's going on here. Like half the time I'm like, is is that adding to the plot? Because there's <laughs> there's scenes where I'm like, oh, this makes no sense. Like no sense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm anyway. Gu- I'm guessing it was just off screen, like like craft services. It was instead of food. It was just booze and cocaine. Yeah. One other comment as we, I'm going to let you go and do the intro and how this plot rolls out. I already is, did. Um, <laughs> I mean, the plot, that's the thing. The plot doesn't roll out. We sense. just skip from scene, scene to scene. And you have to make sense And just of it. insanity ensues. And then you go, oh, boobs. Yeah. Boobs anchor the movie. Yeah. They pull you back to reality and you go, oh. That's why I'm here. There, there's nudity. <laughs> Thank God, God, because I didn't know what the heck was going on there. There were some guys talking, and then we cut to Dixon, and he's on a phone yelling about, ah, yeah, that snake you have is a killer. It's stupid. But what's great is, like, it's so 80s. It's so 80s. Oh, the hair. Right, the opening, as as it comes in, it's like, ooh, here we go. And it's Malibu Express pictures, ooh. And then you hear synthesizer. Bad synth. Awful. Give us a Casio. I'm, I think we could find better. We, I could give it to your daughters and be like, can you come up with a better thing than this? And they go, yes. For the Instagram, find that picture at the very end where they all get out of the car right in front of Mr. Chang's high-rise corporate tower because that has the most 80s clothes and 80s <laughs> hairstyles I've ever seen in one picture. I marked out my notes. Oh, we need to take a picture of this. <laughs> the only other thing I have to say is I, I swam and played water polo in the 80s. The only time you wear Speedos is when you swam your event. Like if you went to the beach, you wore regular shorts. A lot of guys in this movie jocking the Speedos all, all the time. Okay, were they Speedos? Because he I honestly thought he was wearing a bikini bottom. I mean, that's what it looks like. No, rowdy in the opening scene and then later. And at one point, it looks like the actor is embarrassed because he uses the surfboard to sort of cover himself. I would be himself. embarrassed too. It, because it looks like he's wearing the bottom of a lady's bikini bottom. There is one thing we both talked about. The only part of the movie that you go, that's actually kind of clever. The opening credits. Yes. It's a warehouse and you just have a forklift moving boxes and those the credits are on the side of the boxes. It's a bait and switch. You sort of think, oh, maybe this is a, a clever little movie that might be kind of fun. And then you just go, oh, no. I'm in a quicksand of stupidity. And it's just, it's going to be so much. I was so like, much. solid practical effects for that. Yeah. That was a nice job. And, and he does this wordplay. And the great thing is, is his wordplay sometimes doesn't work. This guy's name is Dixon. But it's actually D-I-C-K-S-O-N, which Dixon, you yeah. think, is D-I-X-O-N. The guy who runs the warehouse, who's just wonderfully 80s, the humor is at such a juvenile level. 
The only thing that is slightly funny that is like a recurring gag is Rowdy is a terrible shot. That is somewhat effective. And it runs through the entire Triple B series in Malibu Express, the first one. His cousin, Cody Abilene. <laughs> and then the Picasso Trigger. I can't even remember that, dude. It's like their own Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everybody should go and see it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like Thanos snapping his fingers and killing everybody and half the people in the universe, you snap your fingers and you double the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> so some Molokai police, they roll up. County marshals. <laughs> <laughs> they float up in their boat. Classic old cop, young cop. Yeah. It's right out of colors. Same yeah. dialogue. <laughs> And Lethal Weapon. Bob and Henry, the name of the two guys. One guy goes to grab the gun, and the old guy goes, nah, we don't need that. We're going to leave the gun unattended on the beach. And they go up, and and he says, ah, this family's been doing this for years. I come up, I give them a fine. They give me a little something on the side, and I'm going to retire soon. You can pick up this action. I just say, like, calm down. Let's calm things down, bro. I mean, it's it's really kind of uncomfortable. But as they it's walk, illegal. All, yeah, and all of a sudden they they come upon it. And they go, "Whoa, there's shades. We're gonna find out about shades." It's a big situation. Yeah, and he goes, "We're in over our head. We got to go back." And they get caught in a trap. And then shades and his guys come out. Boom, kill them. Kind of a bummer. But also, I would go, "You just don't leave a gun on a beach." My issue is that scene was problematic because if you watch the background, this is supposed to be a marijuana operation lots of people in the background it looked like someone was like beating trees <laughs> like it makes no sense what people are doing in the background no. <laughs> I'm like, I think the director oh. was like pretend you're on a farm doing something <laughs> but it's a marijuana farm <laughs> Chase is an expert on, on cultivation of marijuana no but I would assume like you're not like, <laughs> like one guy's literally taking like palm no. frogs and beating oh. on the ground <laughs> no I'm with you it's just some people standing around a truck and just doing odd things. <laughs> so it is. Uh, Anyways, so we're introduced to um, Donna and Taryn. Donna and Taryn. And Which Donna boobs. is played by Donna Spear, so it's not a stretch. And I think she trademarked her character's name or her name. Nicely played. And, and what's great, Jason, is I marked all the minutes. Okay. They meet and we get boobs at 8.15. Taryn, for no reason, just is in an outdoor shower, takes her top off. Pop that and, top. And we find out basis. that this Taryn person, she's in witness relocation working with this undercover agent. I don't think that you put civilians in danger. And they kept emphasizing every once in a while. She's like, well, I'm a civilian, so I could do this. But then Donna is saying, you have to stay in shape. Really? That's what the witness protection agency does? They, they put you in harm's way by putting you undercover, and then they wear... Uh, uh, their their uniforms are great. They're just, like, right up to the butt. They're wearing, like, high boots, boots these high boots that I... And a safari, like, tan, tight-fitting, cut the butt. But, of course, we have two snakes. This is a two-snake movie. <laughs> We have the contaminated snake and then another snake, but the contaminated sign has fallen off. So they do the old mix up where they're supposed to take these honeymooners and this regular snake. How is that snake contaminated again, Michael? Like what's the biology behind that? It's it's infected with toxins from cancer infested rats. (laughs) When Dixon gives them the, he thinks the regular snake, they keep emphasizing, oh, Here's the book on care and feeding of the snake. I looked that book up. It's for kids. 
<laughs> We're going to take a picture of it. You can still buy it. No. I wrote it down. It's for kids. You took the time. I took the time. To, to, to see that it was a real book. And like, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if that was a thing of product placement? The people who made the book were like, hey, Andy Sedaris approached them. And they said, yeah, we'll give you some money. Like That's how he financed it. If that comes up like two or three times, like here's a book on care and feeding, which I got to tell you, if you're sending like a, a, a nice snake somewhere, I don't want to send some crappy little book. I want to know the people who I'm sending it to know what they're doing. I would assume that if you're sending a snake from one wild, because I think it's supposed to go from a wildlife, uh, like a zoo to a wildlife, you'd actually have biologists. And would you? And is that how you send snakes? Just like with open crate? No, in a wooden crate. That, I mean, that is so stupid because you're just sitting there going, man, that's not how you move a snake. And secondly, if you have this horrible snake that can kill anything and everything in its path, why are you sending it? They're like, we're sending it to the Department of Health. No, you you kill that snake. And you don't send it to a place where there's no snakes. I I don't. Well, well also, so some lad infected it with rat cancer or something. Toxins, toxins from, from rat rats cancer. infested with so, cancer. So some lab's doing this test saying, you know what? I think if we take that snake, put some of this rat cancer junk we have over here in it, we might get something. And then they're like, oh, the snake looks gross. Let's send it off to another lab. <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. That, that's how science works. <laughs> Ooh, that snake looks gross. I mean, it's a hand puppet. <laughs> it's the best hand puppet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just like, I, I don't know why. I'm serious. At some point, I think I might make that a, a Halloween costume where I just make that snake and put it on my hand. If anybody recognizes, goes, oh, my God, I'll buy him a drink. So they fly off. With the honeymooning couple, they serve no purpose other than they're the first victim of the snake. And I'm just going to say it. She is an ample-bosomed woman, and you never see her boobs. I know. There was a one time I'm like, oh, because he's taking pictures of her, and you're like, oh, her top's going to come off. It would make sense logically in this movie this to happen. No, nope, It no, never it, happens. It never happens. It never happens. And then the snake slaughters this couple later on in the movie like a slasher movie. That's not what snakes do. But what's great is we also get the theme song. They're doing a montage yeah. where they're flying around. And, and Hawaii, I've never been to Hawaii, but it looks beautiful. It's a hard ticket oh, this, to Hawaii. Whoa, it is. It's not paradise yeah. all the time. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> it is, it's laughable when oh, you listen to it. It's I'm thinking just, it's some of the same shots from Jurassic Park. Jason, but it was <laughs> but before, Dur- before Jurassic Park. Because they're supposed to be driving, flying from Honolulu, okay, so on Oahu, to Molokai. Because their literal, their name of their cargo company is Molokai Cargo. <laughs> They fly out of Honolulu Airport. There were times I think I felt brain trickling out of my ear. There's so much dubbing of dialogue. And the guy, the one honeymooner, he goes, we just love nature at its purest. I wanted to like string. I'm like, really? Like, is this going to be a subplot? Are you spending time on these scenes? You know, like, why? I know. And then, so this is where, when I said, like, I didn't make sense geography-wise. They get in a plane. And they fly, I'm assuming, to Molokai. Because that's their cargo company. That's what they're supposed to do. And then Donna makes a reference. Hey, we're going to put you in a you know kind of secluded area um, near the beach. Our compound is just right over that hill. But we'll fly back tomorrow morning and, and pick you up. And I'm thinking, wait a second. She drove to work in, on Honolulu on a Jeep. Continuity-wise, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, make my mind hurt. You're, you're spinning yourself. <laughs> I was spending time at you're night. You're just going, spinning yourself into the ground. I need to get a map of Hawaii and map this out. <laughs> that's, 
All I can picture is is Charlie with with the yeah. cigarette and just all the things. He's just tying it all together, and, and you're and you're and you're going, "What the hell is he what's yeah. wrong with it?" This is just putting paintballs in a slingshot, shooting them at a wall, and going. That's the scene. That's the next scene. It's ridiculous. You're right. This sets off the movie because those two agents, Donna and Tara, are in the wrong place at the wrong time because after dropping off that couple... We meet Mr. Chang. He was sort of like Blofeld, the Bond villain. He's got a remote control helicopter, a really fancy one. I think a guy even says, you know, why don't we just, you know, take these things to the shore? And he goes, ah, villain. Ah, I fly that helicopter. So they fly this little miniature helicopter inland, and it's got two basically tic-tac boxes of diamonds. And they drop it off, and the, in the, front of the, 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 the girl, the girls, what's that? Yeah. They're yelling. They just yell their dialogue. What's that? What's that? They yell and scream their dialogue a lot. Oh, my God. I can't yes. believe this is happening. Has anybody ever <laughs> said that? I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> what is that? What is and It's a miniature helicopter. Yeah. Oh, we should go open the door. And they pull out. Meanwhile, these two dudes r- drive up. I just refer to them as goons. One of them is actually named Skater. He was professional skater Russ Howell, who was very renowned. In the 70s and the 80s, and one of his things, he had the Guinness Book of World Records for doing the longest handstand on a skateboard. I wonder if that's going to come up in this movie. <laughs> and he's got the great 80s porn stash. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they go, whoa, what's going on? And the girls, are, they fight him off. They use a throwing star. We're in the 80s. Donna, the agent, has a throwing star in her boot. And then Taryn, I'm like, oh, you've been training. Donna's yeah. Donna good. Like, <laughs> you've been training her. Yeah. Keep fit. Well, <laughs> and, and what I kind of like is they do this weird back and forth where you go, oh, these are two kick-ass women. Yeah. That's cool. But then they're just completely helpless. Yeah. It's at the end, like somebody would it go, runs hot and cold. this is a really you know good feminist tale of women who are strong. And I go, not really. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, these women are just... After the scene, they're like, let's fly back. In a realistic world, they're like, we should report this. At least I should call, like, Rowdy to say, hey, you know, as an agent, like, we've been attacked. But they're like, you know what? I need to hit the jacuzzi to think about this. <laughs> they're I, like, yeah, let's do the jacuzzi. I, I'm like, let's I do pop my, our tops off and go to the jacuzzi. What, one of the lines, I do my best thinking of the jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. And by the way, the snake is still there. Weren't, yeah. you, weren't you supposed to deliver the snake? They, I know. they take the snake and put it in their garage. Like, I think they're back at the cargo place. The Calm. snake in the plane, and then they take the snake out, and they put it in their... It, it makes no sense. And if they're so calm about this attack, and, why don't you just go and finish your next flight and drop that, rather than, like, you really have to hit the jacuzzi? At that moment, Taryn brings up, she goes, they're talking about the snake because they're going to move it out of their plane into the garage. And she goes, oh, here's the Karen feeding manual. Again, like it's brought up. Like, why is that important? But it's just freaking bad it's dialogue. It's so not. Yeah. And then we go to Edie's, and the single creepiest thing in this movie is a- Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> his shirt is buttoned down to his belly button. Hey. hey. Oh, he, he, Jack Chipper's uh, best friend, Larry. Fist bump on that, buddy. If Larry was in an R-rated movie. Exactly. You know, because he was creepy. And this guy had better hair. Yeah. But yeah, Ashley is just the whole time. He says things. I'm I'm not even going to repeat yeah. some of what he says, but it's just vile. And even by the 80s standard, like, like, you know, like you go, fire well, him. Well, who says that? <laughs> <laughs> and 80s is a weird scene because also I feel like I'm sitting into a new movie because Andy Sedaris plays a character. What's his name? Is it? Whitey? I think so. I'm just not, not some smooth-talking New York TV producer. That's what he says. And then Ashley, the hostess for Edie's Restaurant, 
And Edie, the actress who plays Edie, she turns out she's another Playboy playmate. Ashley walks in, this woman named Charlotte, who apparently, is she a prostitute? Like, she brings it to Whitey's, t- like, this this next scene, it just literally makes no sense whatsoever. I don't understand what's going on. No. <laughs> and, but, then, well, I, and then the movie takes a really dark turn for, like, 15 seconds where Whitey, the character, is saying, oh, it's so good to see you, and, you know, la, 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 and... And she's like, you nearly raped me last night. I'm like, what? I had to roll that back. I'm like, is that the dialogue? Yeah, and you like, nearly raped me last night. And he goes, oh, that was last night. I, I love you for your mind, not your body. And, and then, then this, the server comes over. She has nice boobs. And he goes, I'll have two whatever. It's supposed to be like a jokey <laughs> moment, but it's it's cringy. It's really cringy. And it has nothing to do with the movie at all. Like, a lot this of is where I get lost, where I'm like, uh, am, I, am I paying attention to this character now? Like this whitey? Has something to do with this drug trade going on and, and Molokai and Honolulu? Is I, he an agent too? I think he had a, he had a thing where, where he went, uh, we, we have to be at least 90 minutes or more. And he's like, Alfred Hitchcock, I got to be in my movie. I told you that and you laughed at me. <laughs> you can't steal my bit. I told you he was sort of Hitchcockian that way. And you just like, I could hear you rolling your eyes through the phone. It's really mean that you steal my bit. <laughs> then we meet Seth and he sees the two guys that got beat up. And honestly, the best bit of writing in the whole movie is right here because he's talking to the guys. They go, hey, you know, we we didn't get the diamonds. And he said, what happened? He's like, we got beat up by two broads. And he says, if brains were bird shit, you'd have a clean cage. Actually, that's not a bad line. But that actor, there is bad acting in this. He is the worst actor in this. I would put him at the bottom. I think chemo. It might be a tie. They are in a race to the bottom. I would give this guy above chemo simply because he got to deliver that line. So we get boobs at 2403, jacuzzi boobs. We get double boobs. (laughs) And Taryn and Donna, they open the the little tic-tac box they have, and they go, it's a bunch of diamonds. And Donna goes, we are in trouble. This isn't cool. And, And Taryn's going, I'm a civilian. I'm out of here. Really it's just weird. boobs. And it's it's not like it's not even like sexy Skinamax jacuzzi. It's just women without their tops off who are both extremely attractive. Talking about diamonds. And then Donna says, "This is when we bring the whole gang together." Yeah. She goes, "We need to tell Rowdy. We get to Rowdy and Jade. Rowdy Abilene okay. and Jade, whatever." Yeah. Jade is actually played by a guy who who was at Florida. He was a legit martial artist, Harold Diamond. Yep. And I think he lives out here now. And, and the last note I saw on IMDb is he, he teaches martial arts. Besides making movies for Andy, I don't think there's a lot on his... You know, I mean, his strength is in the martial arts. Yeah. And, and, and the, sad and thing the is fact he, that he, he shaves his chest. And has a long ponytail. <laughs> braided ponytail. It's like, <laughs> Anyways. And you meet them... A guy rides up. There's a really offensive Asian accent moment I won't even get into except to say it's an offensive <laughs> yeah. Asian accent. Then a dude rides up on a bike and gives them their new mission and a little like styrofoam, like little clamshell thing that yeah. you get takeout. And it's in a lame sandwich. <laughs> yeah, like you're on Hawaii. Like it should be either Wait, like. here's my thing. Are they? I don't know where these guys are. I think they're truly they're filming so, in Hawaii. No, they are filming, they, but we don't know. We, we have no idea. There's, I, I'm assuming they're on Honolulu, but the same thing. Like, is this how the DEA communicates with their agents is through, like, sending notes through. It's like Mission Impossible. And, and I think when the guy's riding away on his bike, I do believe he flips in the middle finger. I, I would, too. I mean, <laughs> 
because they didn't tip him. <laughs> and then after meeting at Rowdy, have you ever lit styrofoam on fire? It's not a smart thing to do. He no. lights the styrofoam on fire. Puts the no. It, it's sort of like a mission. It's like a Mission Impossible moment. I think like your your message is going to self destruct, yeah. but it goes, "Hey, you need to self destruct your message." <laughs> Because they put it back in the sandwich and light wow. it on fire. It's so stupid. And hold it. I'm like, that's you don't do that with styrofoam, dude. <laughs> As we get this wonderful callback to Malibu Express, which is the first of the movies, because Taryn has a poster for Malibu Express. And they even reference, they go, you know, I wonder how Cody's doing since he left the agency. He became an actor. To be- <laughs> it is just so stupid. It's like free promotion. It's constantly in the movie after this. It is totally. And sometimes just leaned up in the corner. Like, it's like, we got to put that movie poster somehow. Somebody might be like, oh, I'm curious about this Malibu Express. That explains something about this plot. Maybe I'll watch it. And it doesn't. That's the thing. There is no connective tissue except Cody Abilene to Rowdy Abilene. Because the D agent likes to keep family members like all employed. (laughs) Well, the thing is, in Malibu, I'm just going to say, in Malibu Express, Cody Abilene was a private investigator. He didn't work for the government. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think these people really work for the government. Because they apparently they have a license to kill, shoot people with bazookas. Dude, they take trunks yeah. with, with bazookas. And they, like, so this, we'll break our trunk of toys. So this movie, if people had cell phones, most of this movie wouldn't happen because you could order an Uber or contact say, hey, hey, this is what's happening. But a lot of parts of this movie have to deal with, like, they're stuck at the hospital, which I thought was, like, a ridiculous thing. They're government agents on a mission. Like, ah, uh, we don't have a car to use. Yeah, Edie left a car. Like, Jace, if I work for a government agency and I call you, who does not work for a government yeah. agency, and said, hey, Jason, could you leave a sedan at the airport for me? He's like, oh, there it is. We get it. Yeah, civilians on a regular basis are brought into this agency's plans and put in the line of fire. <laughs> so the girls are they're talking about this, and that's the, goons the phone line. Yeah, yeah, the Rosie and Chemo. Yeah, and Rosie, she looks like a female. She, I don't think she was a Playboy Playmate, but she is clearly like a weightlifter. Super fit. Super. Like, like amazingly pushing. She might have been like on one of the gladiators. She's She's got a great body. Yeah. Again, we don't see her boobs. I know. Huh? What happened there? I know. Andy, <laughs> contract, you know, negotiations went south. And he's like, how about you do this in the nude? And she said, I'm not going to do that. She goes, but I will oil up at one scene and just do some martial arts move for you for a long extended <laughs> period with for you to pass diamond, the yeah. And, 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 and he's like, and, okay. And Andy's, yeah, and Andy Harris goes, I'm not just some New York producer. I'm a Hollywood. I'm a Hollywood producer. So they come in and they get, they're getting attacked during all this. They break the box and the snake gets away and Seth sees the snake and he like, <laughs> like, like from I, a mile away. He's like, oh my oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> Just start shooting willy nilly. No, I, it was. See, I'm like, and when that snake out, is way far away, dude. <laughs> I know. You know, even if you're scared of snakes, if you have like whatever snake phobia it is, if you see a snake from 50 yards away, I don't think you melt down. He like just, he legitimately melted down. Oh, he did. And I'm like, and when, and when they come out, he's like, you want to believe what I saw? <laughs> and Donna grabs the gun. And she's like, that son of a bitch. And she runs out, shoots him in the face. Yeah. I thought he was dead. Yeah, because it's funny, this fight scene is strange where it's exactly like you said. The goons get the upper hand for a while, 
And then both the girls turn the tables for a second, you know, and are able to fight them off. And there's always this push-pull where at first the girls, their first inclination to acting in every scene is to act helpless. And then all of a sudden, I'm sure the movie's like, no, 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 no. Like, you guys are supposed to be agents, like, and you're, you're fit. <laughs> like, you've been working out. So, like, fight back. How <laughs> Everybody has a nylon over their face, except for Seth, who's standing outside so everybody can see him. <laughs> oh, my God. You wouldn't believe what I just saw. And then they focus on something. <laughs> this, what Jason's about to say, is this is the example of bad filmmaking. They trip over and they purposely show you. They trip over and knock a, a cover open for I would imagine is the house's a plumbing system and the ground. Yeah. And you're like, why did they focus on that? I'm like, uh-huh, because later on, <laughs> that snake, we had to let you know. That that snake could find a way back into the house. So we showed you this scene. Sort of like how we see the arrow light yeah. at one point. We see an arrow light. You go, wow. You know, arrow lights were big in the 80s. Yeah. I remember seeing one flying over, Dubuque, you know, when I worked at my dad's cemetery and seeing an arrow light because you could just fly. We could get one and fly it around. Somebody was flying around. I went, wow, that one, I want one of those. Okay. So the two blondes, which by the way, it's a good time. Yes. Take to, a break. Boom. Peace tree. Thank you. Delicious. Yeah, I have had this before. I do love this beer. It's one of my favorites of theirs. They have a few tap rooms. Like you pointed out, the brewery's in Knoxville, a little east of Des Moines. Then they have a downtown tap room in this cool little area. Des Moines is the capital of Iowa, so it's a larger city. And there's this great little area where you you could just go down and do some drinking, good eating and stuff. They have a tap room there. So I drug my brother and brother-in-law there and you don't have to drag people far. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of dragging when, when you say, hey, guys, I've got business <laughs> and it involves beer. <laughs> you know, because oftentimes what happens is they go, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a beer for free. And I go, ah, my life. Oh, my life. The woes of my life. It's funny because we have the blondes in this with 80s blonde hairstyle. Oh, so this is so fitting for and, this movie. And Jason, as two two people who like the, the '80s is sort of the meat and potatoes That's of me grew gro- up of yeah. growing up, yeah. growing up. And people crap on the '80s, and, and I'll crap on it. I'll, I'll I'll say, hey, especially when I see styles that I go, that wasn't cool when it happened. And I was in that, you know, like I had a mullet at one point. I thought, that's cool. I dressed like Sonny Crockett. Like the peg and roll, the roll. Oh, your, yeah, and, I rolled and ro- my pants. Eighth grade graduation was a Miami Vice, you know, suit. <laughs> that is some stupid stuff. But there was some cool stuff in the yeah. 80s. But it's always funny, and you might see it in your girls. But whenever I look around, I go, whoa, that hairstyle's back. Yeah. <laughs> The 80s had some really distinct hairstyles. Oh, super distinct. Teasing the hair. Spraying the bangs. Like, oh, and there's the 80s hairstyle. Donna particularly. Oh, yeah. Her hairstyles. You put that in a time capsule and, like, shoot that into, you know, 2,500 and people go, that's the 80s when it opens up, you know. And we did mention that most of the lead actresses were all Playboy Playmates in 84 and 85 in this movie. Abs- did oh, that. oh, absolutely. <laughs> so after they shoot him, th- this is when Dixon, he's been trying to get a hold of them and to say, you got the wrong snake. Which, oh, And that, that's when we actually do get the line. He gets home and he says, hey, that snake you got, it's infected with toxins from cancer-infested rats. Yeah. And, and they go, hey, we don't have this. He's like, what are you talking about? They're like, the snake got away. And he goes, oh, whoa. 
<laughs> they go to Edie's, and Ashley is creepy to them again. He's, well, this guy is a creep. The first thing after Dixon is like, let's get back to the house and secure it from the snake. I think that's the exact line. What does that even like <laughs> mean? Like, what, secure it? This is the other point where I know that they're a D agents because <laughs> they have this touchy moment where Taryn and, and Donna connect, clean up the house app, you know, as they're trying to secure it. Oh my and god, I cut that out because I thought you would be like, it'd be like, yeah, it's. A good- oh, because Taryn's like, if your dad's picture fell, the only reason I'm an agent is because of my dad. And you see the headlines, and it says on the paper, <laughs> drug enforcement agent killed in ambush. <laughs> she says, my dad was the best agent this government ever right. had. <laughs> he died saving my life. <laughs> and so when you look at the clipping, that's what it says. And I'm like, oh, okay. How many times do you think you would laugh if somebody said my dad died while saving my <laughs> life? And <laughs> just in hysterics, the glass is broken in the frame. They find the time yeah. within all of this crap that's going on in their lives. They Later, it's fixed. Yeah. We see it. It's fixed. Well, no, it's, they, the, it's bad continuity. <laughs> I think it's not bad continuity. <laughs> I, she actually got it fixed. Like somewhere in there with everything in her life, she went, I got to get a new frame. Got to stop at Marshall's and grab, get a new frame. <laughs> Remember that price at, at TJ Maxx? If it's not, it's marked down to $7.99. Let's get it. <laughs> I'm looking for something that looks like teak, yes. but I want it at a pine price. That's what I'd like. You know? <laughs> oh, so they're at 80s, and now we get so, the three playmates together with Ashley sexually harassing them as they walk into the restaurant. Yes, gross, gross, gross. But like, great outfits. I was like, whoa. They, no, they're they're fantastic outfits. Jane had a habit. Pretty easy with this movie, but Jane would walk in the room. When there was some sort of nudity. Like, what are you watching, Michael? Well, no, she, she'd go, whoa, what's going on there? And I'm like, oh, it's for the podcast. And then, and then she kept, she'd go, I keep walking in when this is going on. And I said, this is kind of what happens. It's it's not pornography. It's a movie with a plot. Yeah. This, is, this is art. <laughs> this is an Andy Sedaris joint. This is also when we meet Michelle, who is queer. <laughs> Jason, I got to tell you real quick. I looked at that one person, I'm like, why do they have that one character like <laughs> well, with that makeup and dress like that? There's why is something that, wrong with that. Why is that, that man in drag? <laughs> well, he can't possibly serve any purpose. I was back home recently. Yeah. I was staying with our friends, John and Laura. And I said, guys, I got to watch this because I'm recording yeah. when I get back. And I said, so I got you guys watch this with me. I made them watch it. They loved it. They, uh, they were just laughing. But as soon... As Michelle came up, John went, why is the guy in drag? It is the most unconvincing woman ever. <laughs> you know? and to, like, to make it sound feminine, it's like, you know what? I'm going to do a Southern accent because if I talk like this, yeah, very, very much a, I don't know about you, honey, but, <laughs> but I could go for a code my tie. It's like Christopher Guest yes. in drag. Oh, my was, gosh. That's was, exactly what it is. It was, it was so stupid. Do you find it interesting that Rowdy, I would assume, is the D agent in charge for this area? That um, the best way to get Rowdy con- Abilene, yeah, <laughs> come on, buddy. The best way to get in contact with him is to use use a civilian restaurant called Edie's rather than contact his. Once again, cell phones would have solved half the problems in this movie. I know because <laughs> they're know, there to contact Rowdy, <laughs> and, and it makes me kind of sad about our cell phone age. That you know. If, if, <laughs> 
Like things shouldn't be that easy. You should have to do a little leg work. Because they Sh- do. They're like, we have to go should- to Eddie's to make the call to Rowdy. I'm like, why would you it's go Edie's, to Eddie's? Not Eddie's. 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 So sexist. <laughs> Just have to make it Eddie's, don't you? <laughs> and then that's when we get Jimmy John Jackson. Okay, th- this is like one of those moments where the brain leaks out my ear because this guy is introduced and he's just this blonde white guy. Wolf Larson. I thought at first he was Glenn Larson's son. No relationship. Because they think Glenn Larson, who made Battlestar Galactica and Automan, all those, because they used one of his boats. And I thought, oh, Wolf Larson, Glenn Larson, maybe they're related. No. He just <laughs> dropped Automan out of nowhere. Battlestar Galactica is one thing, but Automan, cheers to that, buddy. <laughs> Ron Moss, who plays Rowdy. Wolf Larson, both those. Ron guys. Moss went went on to do. Yeah, he's still act. He's a big. He's yeah. a soap person. Soap he's pers- a, I mean, he's a good looking guy with a good voice. Yeah, it's just he was given a crap script that probably had like five. Well, lines I per mean, page. this was the kind of the early beginning of yeah. his career, and, and and I think this went. That's why he wasn't. Honestly, yeah. probably why he wasn't in the third one was because he went. I've got better things. I've got actual craft services that aren't just craft services. Isn't an orange and cocaine. <laughs> and I didn't understand the motivation of my character. <laughs> but Jimmy John Jackson is he's a ESPN reporter type guy. Oh, it's, and another it, scene that just goes like. And oh, this is one of my favorite moments. They're talking to Jade and Rowdy. Yeah. Somehow, when the Molokai police. When they dropped their little boat and when they left their gun, which is wildly irresponsible for cops, like they, he goes, oh, we don't need the gun. They go up and they get killed by Shades and the guys. Somehow Rowdy and Jade know everything that happened in those scenes. Yeah. And they feel vengeance towards Seth Romero, Mr. Chang, something. Well, but... <laughs> Well, I I think their thing is it's not just the little family farm like like no. oh they're like this is a big thing and I know Shades we have a name for that guy it's his legal name because we they're like we have a whole file of him his name is Shades I'm like that's not his real name like how good is your file if you're still calling him Shades I just love the idea that it's like code name. Yeah. Shades. It's like, dude, the guy's wearing mirrored shades. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> Come up with anything else than shades. Uh, this is where, I mean, I, I don't know. By the way, Jason, the bad guys know who you are, girls, because you're the only ones with the plane. Go do surveillance. But before they could do surveillance, Taryn, who is with Jimmy Jack Johnson, Jimmy John Johnson... The sportscaster, Wolf Larson. You know what? We need a beach makeout topless montage. Because that's what we need to do before we go on a dangerous mission. Boobs, 4053. It's a long makeout session. Jason, all this stuff is going on. And she just like zips off to go bang this guy on a beach. Yeah. And then she gets paged, but it's not a pager, it's a Yeah, I don't know what's going on. A communicator yeah. where Donna finally calls and goes, you know, where are you? You've been out there all night. Get in here. Isn't Taryn in Witness reload. Uh, oh, you're digging too deep. <laughs> so the boy, the the boys arrive with their trunk of toys. They got yeah. two trunks with toys, and again, like, like you're saying, if these are real agents. They have to care. They're they're just foot lockers. They, they, they look like steamer trunks. Like, they're foot lockers. Yeah. I mean, I've had yeah. foot lockers. Yeah. you know, from the military. It's like exactly. Yeah, boom. They're they're just two foot lockers that they have to carry around. They don't even have something a cart or a dolly to put them on. <laughs> And their friend left them a car. They're taking off. They're going to drive in. For some reason, they're heading into, like, they actually announced, we're going to go into the Molokai Wildlife Ranch. 
First of all, it's on a really barren road somewhere in Hawaii. That will run afoul with the two goons. Of, the of Russ Hall. <laughs> and another great overdubbed line. They see a guy. He's doing a handstand yeah. on a skateboard. Because that's how you're going to scope things out. If you're looking for DA agents, you're like, you know what? It's- Incognito, handstand, skateboard down the hill. No one's going to look at me. And Rowdy goes, he must be smoking some heavy doobies. <laughs> and I just want to go... Oh, is he grandpa? Yeah. That's the DE agents. That's the term they use for like, Must be smoke. you know, the hippie so, lettuce. They so, say doobies. Must be smoking some heavy doobies. Hey, the 1940s called. What's great is none of this makes sense because he skates by them. Then he goes to a car. He's just like, and, that's them. Yeah. <laughs> what? There's only person on the road. Yeah. And you were doing a handstand. Like, you had to know them. it was them. And, and now Otherwise, he, you're skateboarding down constantly when someone's like, a car's coming skateboard down. <laughs> Like, it makes no sense. Now we have to zoom by them so you can skateboard back with a blow-up doll. Yeah. And, and then like, Rowdy goes, the best way to take care of this is the bazooka. He pulls out a bazooka. It's like a four-chamber bazooka. And he not only blows up the dude on the skateboard. And, and a true, like, it, that's the first time where the bazooka acts like a bazooka because it literally blows apart the guy. And then he he wastes another bazooka th- shot. Bazooka shells are cheap. <laughs> On the blow-up doll. And again... It's nonsense. It's actual uh, legend, Russ yeah. Howell. This is the guy doing the skateboarding. <laughs> but it's funny, because after that, the bazooka does not act like a bazooka when he shoots it. Because later on, the bazooka knocks a guy, Seth, through the window, but doesn't blow him apart. And then actually just... The bazooka just shoots the head off a snake. <laughs> doesn't do anything. Just shoots the head off the snake. Well, it kills chemo. <laughs> pushes him out the window. You remember? <laughs> but yeah, but literally, the skateboard guy blows up. Yeah, that's what a bazooka would do. (laughs) I've never shot anyone on a skateboard with a bazooka, so I wouldn't know. It's a ridiculous scene, and there's bad editing, because at one time, that skateboard car's in front of them. is like, I think they're behind us. I'm like, wait a second, that's not what's on the screen. The the car's right in front of you. You can see it. (laughs) I love when you take these crap movies and point out the smallest thing. You're like, well, that's that's not very smart. It shows that you're not even really trying. You're like, you know what? It's a one shot. That's what we're going to take. How Good many, enough. How many Good times enough. have we watched this movie? There's not <laughs> a lot of many. trying. Not a lot of trying. Oh, it's a great movie. This movie's ridiculous. Oh. So we get to the honeymooners. Okay, the snake escaped from the house, went over that big hill that she talked to. She, yeah. she said, hey, we're just going to be over that hill. So the snake escaped and goes out and kills the honeymooners in a huge missed opportunity because it's a very attractive lady. There's no boobs. That would be the first question I'd ask Andy Sedaris. The husband's taking Polaroid pictures like, hey, that looks good. Take that shot. Take this. Oh, that's a really good shot. And she's posing. You're like, oh, he's going to finally say no. Totally waiting for her to go, how about this? This, Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. It's a tease scene. As he's doing it, all of a sudden, the snake just comes out of nowhere. Out of the sky. And it sets up up the greatest Polaroid of all time. (laughs) I want that Polaroid. Rowdy's partner. Jade? Yeah. Oh, man. If I said Jake, I apologize. Jade. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I don't think Harold Diamond's going to come find you. Throughout the movie, he keeps saying one-line jokes that are just awful. At the hospital, he's like, the one good thing was the nurse. She kept me in stitches. Yeah. It's pretty lame. I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that in. All right. So, we're, we're back, Edie's. No, that's all right. And someone does walk in and says, can I have a local beer, please? And I don't know why they put that dialogue in <laughs> I don't either, but, but that one resonated with me many because I kept going, a local beer. I, and, and, and I thought, 19, 1987, yeah. what local beers yeah. did you have in Hawaii? I know Hawaii has some craft beers yeah. now. 
Was that a joke yeah. in 1987? I thought everything probably was imported at that point. Michelle listening. She's listening now. She puts a little thing on the phone. The old school, just like a magnet and a phone to listen. Rowdy saying, your car is dust, Edie. You got to come get us. And then we get Edie's boobs. Yeah, because she's like, I have to dress for this, so I'm going to take off my clothes. And we have to watch her dress. Duh. (laughs) And like for extended period. 48-25. Then Michelle goes, ooh, I got to bust out. Michelle's a man. Wow. Not surprising. <laughs> Watch the movie. Whoa. I don't think anyone was fooled. Why? There's a woman in your gang. It's a subplot that makes no sense that doesn't drive anything in the movie because later, that Michelle is now Michael for the rest of the movie. They all go back to Michelle. Basically, it shows your agents are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because if I walked in, I go, oh, that's fine. You know, it's a yeah. woman, you know, yeah. a man dressed up as a woman. That's yeah. fine. That Whatever. And people go, what are you talking about? That's Michelle. And they go, Michelle's. A man dressed up as a woman. <laughs> I thought they would have a subplot with, with Michelle and Whitey, where Whitey was constantly, it was like a tootsie thing, where Whitey kept coming up. I was like, listen, listen, I'm from New York. Listen. <laughs> I thought, oh, like, they kind of I, cut, maybe they cut that I out. I don't think Andy Sedaris was that comfortable. In his, you know, he, but what's great is when she's changing, we get the server boobs yeah. at 49.42, because the server who's been ogled the whole time yes. goes swimming, comes in, and she just tells Michelle yeah. about, you got to keep these things perky. But she gives <laughs> Michelle a lecture about yeah. letting, you're letting your boobs sag. Yeah. And Michelle's like, okay, honey, I'll keep that in mind. They kidnap Edie the most funny way ever. It's like, dude, you can't outrun a van. Yeah. It's like the van from Laser Blast. Bigfoot imprint. Which which looked like the van from the A-Team. Which looked like the van from, from like, you know, I mean, come on. Every every dude that you knew who was like 17 in the 80s was like aspired to have that van. And then this is a point in the movie all the time where, the first time, and I think a lot of people watching this, they'll reach this point where I'm like, I don't know what's happening at all in this movie. Why is Edie being kidnapped? Edie, it's her bar where Rowdy and the agents are having a conversation. So she must have heard something, and therefore she must be part of the agency as well. I mean, you have to go back. The first viewing, I'm, I got to this point, I'm like, why is she being kidnapped? Like, why did Seth send his people? I'm like, you got to get Edie. They know where the diamonds is. Like, really? There's only one person who really knows where the diamonds is. <laughs> And she told you they were in the freeze at the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> she did. <laughs> yes, it's bad gangsters chasing bad agents. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's a symphony of yeah. stupid. The next scene, because we did have set up that Rowdy did say, hey, uh, Tara and Donna, I need to go and like monitor Seth's Romero's beach house the yes. next morning. The two people who are in real danger from this person yeah. need to go surveil them. This is the scene where... All of a sudden, it dawned on me after several viewings. Like, that's what's problem with the dialogue. <laughs> you know you're watching this scene, and you see a helicopter coming landing in. And the dialogue as the helicopter is landing at Seth's place, where you know that they're supposed to be, is Taryn going, look, there's a helicopter landing at Seth's place. A lot of times, it's thought bubbles in a comic book, where you, know, you see Spider-Man, yeah. and he goes, man, you know, he's going to do this and this. It's like, nobody really thinks that. It just gives you the thought bubble. Uh, it, but what's great is they're watching Shades, who's like a main, like supposed to be a hardcore killer. And this woman every day walks up and just jogs up on the beach and throws Frisbee with him. And she's a disc person. At one point, they're watching. And she, I think Donna says, they take their throwing pretty seriously. That's an actual line from the movie. And they're using like the old sports cam, the waterproof yeah. from the 80s, which was a big deal at the time. And they make a 
big show of being, how do you zoom this in? You don't need dialogue like that. No, you don't. But at the same time, that technology was kind of cool. I had a friend that had the same yellow. It's a it's yellow. It's 80s yellow. It's a waterproof Walkman. Yeah. So if you're doing surveillance of a place that has known killers that are supposed to be watching, like having yellow items and white bathing suits, of course is not going to stand out against all that green foliage. Oh, yeah. But it, but it was great because <laughs> Shades and this woman are playing. Frisbee, he still has a gun in his one hand. He's like one-handed Frisbee for a while. He's holding the gun. I'm like, wouldn't that lady be put off by a guy just standing with a Uzi? Is he really good at his job if he lets a woman walk up every day and like we play Frisbee? Clearly not. Shades, come into my office. We got to have a talk, buddy. <laughs> Seth Romero has chosen some bad people to surround himself with. <laughs> at this point, they go, oh, we got to go pick up those honeymooners. Yeah. And they go out and they fight him. The snake hasn't eaten them. The snake has just torn them apart. Uh, Again, a, not a snake-like behavior. No, and the girls are like going, ah! Like screaming, and I'm like, oh my God, Taryn, I can't believe this is happening! This Meanwhile, the snake is like two feet away. And it's white. It would stand out against that background. And it, it kills anything it comes across. Yeah. Not these chicks. Well, it's full. It's not full, though. It didn't eat them. It just <laughs> tore them apart. Ugh, so Rowdy and Jade finally find their way to Edie's. And I have to point out, like Ra- oh. Michael and myself are, are honestly really going beat by beat. And so if this doesn't make sense, it's exactly what you're seeing on the screen. Because the, kind of what we do. And we're trying to apply some logic to some of these things, but that's exactly what you're seeing. It's so ridiculous. It doesn't make sense scene by scene. This movie is meant to be watched <laughs> under a lot of beer. By the way, here you go. I would take the Peace Tree Blonde Fatale over a lot of other beers. That's really tasty. That's, that's, What's it say on the back of this? Let me see this. The art of premium craft, our gold medal winning Belgian style blonde ale will steal your heart as the unfiltered golden hue seduces your taste. Buds with surprising smoothness. It is It is smooth. The yeah. Belgian yeast adds hints of fruity complexity. Be warned, its mysterious charm will draw you in again and again. I think Donna had some mysterious charm. She did. She had her own shades. The sunglasses were so 80s. Uh, I'll see them now. Holy crap, the 80s style is back. It's very much the mirrored. Every time I saw them on her, I'm like, oh, it looks like they got casting leftovers from V. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers to that. I I can't even describe. Rowdy and Jade take Ashley's car. They're like, oh, the snake sneaks into Donna's place. It's like Jaws, was it uh, Jaws 4? Where it's just like the Jaws is like, I hate your family. And I'm like, this snake is just cruising around trying to kill them. The gang's together and they go, our friend's been kidnapped. We have to get together. We have to sort this out. And Donna goes, well, I've got that footage. And Rowdy goes, I I should see that. And then after that footage, let's bang. During the footage. And, and he goes, that, guy, that guy's name is Shades. Yeah. He sees the footage. And the, Wasn't he goes, that a weird moment that you actually put that scene back in it? It's like, let's watch that footage here. You're right. That guy's playing Frisbee. Here's the footage. And she goes, yeah, that girl. Who's the girl? She goes there every day. Yeah, I can use that. And then suddenly they go, hey, Rowdy, did you know this was going to happen when I'm at Honolulu? And he goes, and he just unties her top. And then they just they just bang. Just boobs and bang. It's a, Meanwhile, Taryn and Jade are sitting, and he goes, yeah, I'm, I, I want something light. It just takes warm vodka sitting just out and, and just drinks it. It's stupid. And then they're listening to the two have sex, and, the, and they cut, and it's the least sexy scene I've ever seen in my life. He's going, oh, oh. But there's, like, nothing sexy. Yeah. And at one point, Jane walked out. She went, 
huh, what are you watching? And I, I go, this is for the podcast, yeah, babe. It's still, it's still hard to take it to Hawaii. I said, you have to watch this movie with me. It is so stupid. I don't even know how to describe the next couple scenes because the group decides they're going to go and get Edie from Seth Romero's compound. And somehow they decide to split up. At one point, the girls have to stop and make a call. Once again, if they had cell phones, they have to make a call. Here's a dive. They're at like a sumo restaurant. Rest, like, it, I mean, it, I can't. I, I can't believe you're going there. I, I was, I mean, no, I I had that in my notes, but when I typed them up, I said that's I that's pointless. I don't know how to, I don't know how all the scenes match up because then later on, this Donna, movie this movie is 50 minutes if yeah. you take stuff like that out. Because then Donna's flying a, like the like the. Oh, yeah. we totally forgot when they're getting ready. Rowdy goes. Got this ready. It's a razor. It with razor blades on it. <laughs> and, oh. and not like special razors. Just lame. It's just literally just, just like regular. The, the, the razors your grandpa would use yeah. to like screw into an old school. <laughs> it's not even special razors. And I'm going, eh, it's not how physics works. That's not going to happen, buddy. Yeah. When you throw out the guy, you think like this is going to work. Like, But of course it does. It's movie magic. Well, because <laughs> Rowdy washes up on shore and he comes up and he's in his bikini bottoms. And, and he sees Charlotte, who's the lady that plays yeah. with. And, and he goes. Mind if I run with you? She's like, no. Sort of aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> More often than not, that's a big no. She goes, yeah, he's a good looking guy. And he's got this big pouch like next he's to him. He's into throw. He's a thrower. <laughs> that looks like a, a throwing pouch. Yeah, because <laughs> they show up and Shades goes, Charlotte, who's that turkey with you? <laughs> just a thrower. <laughs> he's like, get out of here, pal. He's like, we're just throwing. And he goes, let's see what you got. Clearly the actor Shade, whoever it is, knew how to play Frisbee because he's tossing the Frisbee underneath his leg. Like, he actually does a decent job. But, Jason, <laughs> come on. He catches a Frisbee, and then he lifts his leg, and he tosses it. I was it. impressed. He tosses <laughs> it and catches it. And, yeah. like, tosses it under his leg as if, like, Someone he, he's that. the harmless Har- Harlem Globetrotters of Frisbee tossing. And it's, re- I don't know. I just, I just thought that was kind of odd. It was it, like, that was his, and that's all he did was just, it goes on way too long. Throw, I just <laughs> love the fact that thrower was yeah. like, is, was that a, a term? I don't know. And, I wonder and, if Shades was on the like Frisbee disc golf team. Or <laughs> like Russ Howell. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll tell you what, I'm more impressed by Russ Howell doing a handstand on a, on a skateboard. <laughs> Then I am by shades tossing a frisbee under his leg, but then Rowdy turns to Charlotte and pulls out a gun and goes, "Get out of here!" And she needs to be told twice. And why didn't she just like every other woman in this movie would have screamed? Because that's what you've seen so far. But at the same time, she shows up every day to a guy with an Uzi and what plays one-handed frisbee for a while. The footage we see here is the footage they watched the day previous. So she bails. And when she leaves, he goes, hey, Charlotte, you got a great ass. That's Rowdy's parting words to this woman he just showed a gun to. And she goes, you too, Pilgrim. Then he and Shades <laughs> have it. He's like, catch this. He's like throwing the, throwing the Frisbee harder, harder. And then he pulls out the razor one. He goes, this is for the Molokai police. Yeah, and I think at first... I think the actor looks down. He's like, "How am I going to actually throw this with all these?" Because he looks at. It, he's like, "I'm thinking." He's probably going, "How am I going to actually throw with these razors embedded in it?" Like, no one gave me a like grip to put my hand. Stop, man. De Niro could figure it out. Yeah. And that Mickey Rourke could figure this out. The frisbee decimation. <laughs> he's he said, and he does. He. 
He's doing the same look. And you're like, yeah, come on, this pretty boy. And in your bikini bottoms, and it just cuts through his fingers. Just and hits him in the neck. Like, it's just, he's like, ah. Holy shit. I didn't know my razors could do that kind of damage. Because yeah, wasn't that like, I think the boomerang and was it Mad Max did something similar? Yeah. Executed a little better. Hey, they oh. both have their place. But this movie should not be compared to Mad Max. Yeah, and, and then I don't like. Jeez, uh, I was just looking at my plot points, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of lost. No, no, it, no, no, it's okay because <laughs> we're near the end. There's multiple endings of this movie. They're invading the compound. They're saving yep. Edie. Yep. Boom! Yep. Here we go. So Donna comes in the arrow light. The rest of the gang comes in. Taryn rolls out of the yeah. out of the bus, and she goes, "Cover me!" Yeah, like. like <laughs> Imagine this, like, like your partner, you're sitting at the wheel and also your partner just takes it upon themselves to roll out of the car and scream, cover me. You're like, that person's you go, a civilian. What the hell? Yes. And it's a civilian. Everybody gets their moment. Taryn kills Michael. Jade has decides like, you know what? We're not going to have a gunfight because I'm a D agent. I also have the license to kill. We're going to karate fight he until get, the death. Gets to use his martial arts. <sighs> <laughs> and, and he pulls out the ninja claws, yeah. which are very 80s. I Don't you arrest people if you're a D agent? Are these people really agents or are they just making stuff up like it's, they have nothing else to do? Come on, man. <laughs> like, like, do you go into like commando? Do you, do you like go, do you go drag on the A team? Come on. You are such a, you are not a thrower. <laughs> I'm thinking like, why put yourself at risk? Just arrest the person, put them in handcuffs and like, we need to get the next person. Rowdy finds Edie and then he gets to use his bazooka. On chemo. <laughs> that bazooka keeps showing up. And then finally, Donna, as everybody's trying to escape, she like blows up the chopper. Yeah. So we're like, oh man, that's it. That's it. And then they're driving back in the van <laughs> with a dirt bike. Very 80s. So now the whole gang, the Scooby gang, is in one van, but Donna's and, flying that. And Edie goes, what about that son of a bitch staff? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Rowdy's like, holy crap. He's going to be at, like, makes a wild assumption. He's going to track her down at Donna's place. Donna's going to be there because she flew. <laughs> She's going to be there first. I need to get there. I'm probably going to need to crash through her door. <laughs> She's just taking off my makeup. Yeah. And Seth goes back and he's, suddenly the diamonds are a big deal. He dies, like, more times than Michael Myers. It was like Halloween. Oh, it my was God. Like, they no, copied it, the it Halloween very, scene, uh, even, uh, like, the... Well, except I will say Michael Myers knows how to smash through those, whatever that you call them, those horizontal slats. Slats. Like, that, yeah. like, like, Seth is just going, ah. <laughs> Take his time. Each one, I just got to make sure each one is gone. And she hits him with a harpoon. And she... He's just like, like oh. Halloween. <laughs> and she will not leave the home. And she won't check to make sure that he's really dead. She's a trained agent. Apparently. Unless she was another person who was really Liar. originally in the witness protection agency. <laughs> she was trained by her boss. <laughs> and then finally she's like, oh, by the toilet. She flushes it. The freaking snake Wait. is there. And it explodes. I, it, it explodes out of the toilet with sparks. Tons of sparks. It, why does she have to flush the toilet? Because she's, she's sitting next to the toilet completely she's I thought, was exhausted. she wiping herself off? And, and then she, she just puts her hand like this and goes, you know what? I always flush the toilet for luck when I'm in the bathroom. And then the snake explodes out. Okay. That might be a new thing for me. <laughs> like every time before we leave for a trip, I'm going to say, Jane, I got to flush the toilet, toilet for, for good luck. luck. I thought she was wiping herself off and she dropped like a nap, you know, tissue in there or something. The snake, it doesn't just come out. It explodes because it's 
infected with with toxins, toxins from, rat, from rats who had cancer infested with cancer. And apparently that makes sparks. And this snake comes out. She goes, oh, boy, that's not cool. So she bails and, again, does not leave the home. Nope. She jumps behind a bed, and Seth goes, well, I guess what's going on in there must be her. I know. So he he runs in and gets blasted by the snake. He's done. And then Rowdy jumps through her front door with the bike. Total like, 80s move. I, I think you're a little late. Like, you know, is that really what you want to do? You have no idea if there's a bunch of guys with guns aimed at you. You're just going to fly. <laughs> I mean, like, it seems ridiculous. <laughs> He's not a very good agent. Rowdy Abilene acts. <laughs> he doesn't think. So. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. All right. So he ends up blowing the snake up. Yeah. And you go, oh, that's the end of the movie. Wait, no, it isn't. They have one more thing. The yeah. whole gang takes a limo to Mr. Chang's. With people who aren't agents. Like, all of a sudden, Jimmy John Jackson sportscasters in, in the limo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Edie's in the limo. Yeah. I mean, like, why are all these people, like, you're putting me in a harp? Like, what? this is supposed to be, I, I mean, I don't understand it. But I do say, that montage, when they get out of the limo in front of that corporate office, that has the best group of 80s clothes and hairs in a movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it's, it's so brilliantly 80s. So, Rowdy and Donna. They go in, beat the hell out of the bodybuilder who protects For no him. reason. Like, it's just a bodyguard doing his job. He's like, hey, what are you going to do there? They beat the crap out of him. Well, no, but they, they do describe that he's got a, a bodyguard who sadistic and violent, and, and he keeps him really happy. But is that what you do, like, legally? <laughs> like, so he just says, hey, what are you guys doing there? And then... I, doing, I love again that, they, that they you're beat him over the head with nubchucks. Not like doing the nubchucks. I'm, so I'm so shocked <laughs> that you haven't like read off statutes and stuff like that. You know, it's according like, to Hawaiian <laughs> penal code. <laughs> Excuse me, Barker. Here's what you do if you're going to go arrest a man. I feel I feel a little bad. <laughs> They're for the guy. going to. I don't because apparently they said he was. He was like. But a, you've a never seen him do anything in the movie except like, hey, what are you guys doing here? They just beat the crap. Rowdy out. just told us as they're walking up. He said this guy's you like really trust Rowdy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I trust him more than I trust Mr. Chang. That guy's dangerous. But the only thing that Mr. Chang has done in the entire movie is send a, a remote control helicopter with diamonds. Oh, my God. You're siding with them. You're siding with them. <laughs> I'm just pointing out, like, this guy seems to be in a... You are, an, you are anti-boobs. <laughs> there you go. You, no, because that guy saw no boobs yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. So, so, what, so what happens? They beat the bodyguard they up. They beat him up, and then she pulls out a bigger gun than him because Rowdy has terrible aim. And, and he oh, then they kill... Mr. Chang. Well, Mr. Chang tries to like charge him with a an odd move. Where <laughs> he actually goes out, they, he flies out the building and lands in front of the group. That's and Jay, there. everybody's watching. They yeah. go, they go. Oh, I hope they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they end up on the boat, the Malibu Express. Yeah, another callback to yeah. the previous movie. Why not? And this is where T- Taryn says she's going to commit immense amount of criminal fraud against the U.S. government. <laughs> is it? Yeah, because. She says, oh, well, I'm a civilian. I found those diamonds, so I don't have to turn them in. Right, Rowdy? And Rowdy's like, yeah, she's right. I'm like, really? Really, Rowdy? That's how things work? Like a civilian just could go and take diamonds? Whoa, whoa, hold on. (laughs) She's not a government agent, and she says, I don't have to turn them in. And he says, yes, he's a government agent. And and then I'm going to share it with all you guys. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of things wrong with that. (laughs) And they're all all smiling like, yay, Taryn. 
Oh my goodness! And then Fla- the credits roll. Wow, you are such a Flanders. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously. Like, how do you don't know that it's not true? <laughs> my assumption is a government agent said, "Yeah, she's right. She can keep that stuff." Do you think you know more? Oh well, I would well say done, I Jason. Probably know a lot more than Andy did when he wrote this script because he probably did no research whatsoever. <laughs> Except, no, they tell didn't. me what DEA stands for. <laughs> That's it. I do have to say the credits at the end are also great because Andy's like, listen, we got to get people to stay through the credits. So what we're going to do is we're going to credits, boob scene, credits, just replay all the boob scenes from the movie. Callbacks to the boob scenes. (laughs) Yeah. I got that. I'm like, oh, he knows his audience. (laughs) Keep them in the seats. Just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's going to be a little something at the end that's going to lead you in. Yep. It's not them eating shawarma. (laughs) It's just boobs. (laughs) All right, Jason. Got to ask you, do you recommend this movie? So I, I do, oddly enough, <laughs> recommend this movie because Ed Wood made some ridiculous bad B-movies during his time period. In the 80s, Andy Sedaris, like, I think he follows in the Ed Wood complete kind of framework. And it is so awfully ridiculous. Like something weird, Herschel Gordon Walker's what we did, it was just atrocious. It's hard to sit through. This you can sit through because it's so, like, every scene you're like, oh, let's see how worse he can make this. I would say it, it can't just be you. Yeah. The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. This is, no, no, something weird was you, but The Undertaker. This is a bad, bad movie. Just a dog crap movie. But this you can sit through and you can laugh with a group of friends. You can play tons of drinking games from, like, every time you see boobs, drink. Every time, you know, Jade makes a really poor joke, <laughs> drink. Every time the snake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the snake cam. Anytime the snake shows up, drink. Now, if you're drinking this Belgian Blonde L from Be careful. Street, be careful because you will not make it through <laughs> yeah. this movie. It is 8.5. It's a delicious beer. Absolutely. But oh. it will catch you like that snake yeah. and, and throw you right down and put you where, where you're like, oh, my God, I wish nothing more than to see boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you chose this movie, so yeah, I, I would. Uh, it's hilarious. Watch it with a group of friends. It is atrociously bad in every category of filmmaking, but it's one of these things where it's so bad that lever goes and you're like, oh, this is something to laugh about and joke about. Like I said, I, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. It's terrible, but it's so much fun. When I went back to it, I went, okay, th- this is ridiculous. It's fun. Watch it with friends yeah. recently. And they were laughing out loud. And they went, are you, are you serious? <laughs> and, and I texted them today and I said, we're recording this. <laughs> and they went, can't wait to hear it. And John and Laura are going to love that they're getting name dropped. <laughs> you know, because it was a ton of fun. This movie is awful, but it's fun awful. And, I, and although I've never read the book, if you want to know more about Andy Sedaris' career, there's a book called uh, Bullets, Bombs, and Babes, appropriately titled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, that, that's what this guy was into. <laughs> yeah. And I think someone collected his DVDs and did a special Blu-ray DVD set, and I think it has the same title. <laughs> so if you went, It might as well. Whole catalog. <laughs> yeah. I think oftentimes this is the one that this is his opus yeah. you know this is the one that somebody put this on a list they said this is the greatest b movie of all time i would fight them over that yeah. but it's fun yeah, it's, it's it silly peace tree thank you blonde fatale 
Belgian style blonde. Great pairing. Oh, absolutely. Great pairing. You know, thank you guys so much. <laughs> we I, I had such a great visit and thank you guys. Hard ticket to Hawaii. It's not paradise all the time, Jason. <laughs> I hope someone makes a video of that song with scenes from this movie. Oh, I, I think at some point we, we have to like, like we should do like a video of our own. Oh, man. I, I think that wraps this one up. This is Beer and Beer Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.